Welcome to another In the Telling Scrap episode, segments that are too good to be left on the cutting room floor. In this scrap episode, Les Pardew talks about the art and logic of structuring and designing an escape room. I want to ask you, like chicken and egg style, um, when we were going through the rooms, I got the impression that, that you pick the story first and then the, the puzzles to suit. Um, but talking with you now, I feel like that's that's got to kind of happen a little bit more in tandem somehow. So how, how do you decide, like, we want to tell that story? Um, what puzzles will help us do that or fit into that framework thematically? Or do you think, I have this great idea for a music puzzle. Who, what story can I put that in? It's got to be a little bit of both. You know, as a creative person, you don't get your inspiration in one direction. You know, but you have to start somewhere. I mean, the hardest thing is the first brush stroke. Yeah. You know, and that. And so, um, you know, I, I learned my undergraduate degree was art. Like fine art. Yeah. I, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. That's, that's what I hold. But I've learned in when you're creating art, you have to get some sort of structure to what it is that you're trying to create. And um, uh, and so that's why we, you know, you do a drawing before you do a painting or something like that. And so when we're creating something here, you know, first and most important is I have to visualize what the room's going to look based on the theme. And then once I have that in my head, then the puzzles start to come in. And some puzzles will work and some puzzles won't because they won't fit the theme. A lot of times we'll have a puzzle idea and we'll just have to shelve it until we can find the right room for it. Yeah, just sort of keep it on a back burner until... Yeah, yeah. But we often will say, okay, this is the theme that we're going to work on. And then we put it out to our whole staff and say, any good puzzle ideas that we could do with that? And so we'll get together and have meetings and talk about different kinds of puzzles that we've seen and different, you know, things that we've been able to uncover. I know that when we were doing, uh, you know, the Da Vinci Secret, you know, we were reading books about Da Vinci. We were looking at a lot of Dan Brown ideas. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we were looking at all of the different aspects of his life and what he had, and you know, you could have made. Dozens of rooms based on him alone. Well, what ones would really make sense in, within this room? And, and the same thing, you know, with with BioBase Five when we did that one. Well, it's modern, so we could use computers. We could do all kinds of things like that. But when I'm doing something that's historical, like Treasure Island, the 1600s, well, I can't use a computer there. You know, I've got to so. So you're researching history, you're looking at all different kinds of, of things. Probably the research is one of the aspects that most people don't think of much, you know, with this, but you've got to immerse yourself into the story first before you have any chance of immersing anybody else into it. Sure. I, I can imagine that that research acts as sort of like a, a gut instinct filter for you going forward because you've looked at it and you just know, oh, okay, that, that kind of puzzle is just not going to fit in that world and kind of saturated myself in the realities of this story or this 
this world that I'm trying to create that I looked at visually first. And I just know like, uh, it kind of hones, I guess, your instinct about how you feel about some of those puzzles. Oh, absolutely. But there's also the, the, the flip side of that is that I like what that puzzle does. How can it be adapted? What would we need to do to be able to create that same kind of emotion in this? I was talking with, um, in another interview about creativity needs constraints to grow. Like you, if, if you had unlimited resources and unlimited options, yeah. there's no way you could come up with something creative. You probably got it from Franklin the Dry, because I've heard oh, that before too. As an architecture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that, that, um, you know, uh, having the constraints allowed him to be creative because uh, then, you know, he knew what his boundaries were and he had to live within those because as an architect, it's structure. I mean, you know, you can't just build something to fall down. Yeah. You, it has to be structurally sound. Um, you know, sometimes in other art forms, you don't have those kinds of limitations that are so obvious, but but there are specific limitations that you have to deal with. And the, the real creativity comes with taking that. I, I remember doing some art, and this was way back in the beginning of video games. And uh, one of my, uh, one of the guys that I was uh, working with, who was a producer for, for the game, he says, you know, some artists can uh, create amazing things if they have unlimited color and palette and things like that. It's real artists that can make a tank look like a tank with six pixels. <laughs> and and that was, uh, you know, you, as a creative person, you learn so much from taking a constraint and learning how to make it into something. Yeah. So, so I would imagine then that your game and your puzzles themselves are, and your stories are better because you look at a puzzle and say, it might not work, but instead of just rejecting it and finding something that automatically does work, how can I tinker? How can I adapt? And mm -hmm. you find new things that, that aren't already created. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you delve into something that, you know, was never used that way before. <laughs>